Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Hope you enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by CF Wholesale. Learn more about Octane, CF Wholesale's unique loan origination system designed to work for you with maximum transparency so you can spend more time with your clients and referral partners. Get connected with CF Wholesale by emailing us at partnerships at aimgroup.com today. Welcome back, everyone, to another, uh, I'm going to say exciting edition, because all these are exciting to me, of the Broker to Broker podcast. My name is Mark Summers. I am the president of AIM. Uh, proud and glad to say that. Uh, but today, I'm going to be interviewing a mortgage broker from C2 Financial. His name's Armand Gamami. Armand, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Yeah, no, I'm uh, really excited to hear what you have to say. Um, I, I think the topics that we have on deck, and you know, we may we may stray off a little bit, but that's that's what this is all about. Hell, hell that's what mortgage brokers do. We stray all the time. Exactly, with, right? Yeah, <laughs> <Just so do>. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. So, you know, I'm really excited about this. Thanks for joining us, uh, taking the time out of your day as we're as we're about to go into the holidays. So, Armand, tell me how how did you get into this crazy industry that we so much love? Well, by being crazy, no, <laughs> that's how we all get into it, right? Right. <laughs> well, it's an interesting story. I, um, uh, I've lived in Irvine, California for the last few decades and, um, growing up or going to college, even though I didn't go to college here, I moved up to, uh, South LA County. Um, it was hard not to be, or come into contact or it was someone that was in the mortgage industry, obviously a much different industry than we are in today. Um, Around 2007, I uh, was out of college and I decided to, you know, um, get in this great industry everyone's talking about. And needless to say, shortly thereafter, uh, we all know what happened in 2008. And um, at that point in time, I decided to go pursue other other things. Um, so come full circle, 2014, 2015, early 15, late 14, I decided to... Uh, re-enter the, the, the business and the industry and I have not looked back since. Now have have you are are so when you when you rejoined the business back in you know 2014 2015 was it with C2 or was it broker was it retail how did you get great, back in? Great question. So it was a broker uh shop or company uh I'd say about 30 plus employees. So I did enter this company working for an individual. I said you know what I need to get in um, learn or reacquaint myself or really just learn to be honest because I was in it for less than 12 months at that time and I'm not the fastest learner especially in my early 20s right, right. Um, so I went and worked for a company a uh, great company uh, is inside sales uh, call center style environment which I'm a big fan of um, personally um, and I worked for them for just about two years. And in very early of 18, 2018, I decided to just jump out on my own. Um, C2 was a great opportunity for me uh, because it took a lot of the administrative work and the post-closing and the lender relationships and all that other stuff and just allowed me to focus on one thing which is origination um so i've been with them since i'm happy they're a great company they're the number one brokerage in the country their business model is unique and, and very powerful um and i found that appealing and it's proven to be the case 
um, as I come up on my, what is it, 19, 20, 20, my third, <laughs> three and a half years there. So um, collectively, there probably, don't quote me on this, eight to 900 originators that are operating through C2. And as you guys know, the more loans you do, the typically the better um, service and in some cases better pricing you may get um, from these lenders. So it's, uh, you could do one loan, two loans, three loans a month and you get amazing um, offers or you could do, you know, sky's the limit. Um, I operate a branch a little bit different than what I, uh, the majority of the C2 uh, originators do, but um, it's kind of like my own business and I send everything through C2. So it works great. Management's excellent. Um, I, cu I couldn't say really, I couldn't speak highly enough about them. That's great. Yeah, no, I mean, I look at it this way, you know, there's, there's a lot of beliefs out there, small shops, big shops. And to, to me, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think everyone knows you're a pro broker, <laughs> but, yeah. but with that being said, you know, I'm all about helping as many consumers as we can, because we are, are truly what's best for them. So whatever I, it takes I to help consumers. So I that, agree with you. All right. So you've never been, so let's just say, you, you got the table right now. You got the floor. Let's just say that you have someone, and I'm sure that you've dealt with people who have transitioned from retail over to the broker world. What piece of advice would, would you give them? Uh, do it sooner than later. The only <laughs> regret you'll have is having waited so long. And I can testify that myself. Um, embrace the change of the unknown. Um, you don't need to have it all figured out. Set your goals. Set a plan, expect the plan to change and embrace that and work hard. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, it's funny. I, I speak to a lot of retail people throughout the nation thinking about making the jump and whatnot. And I think one of the biggest reasons that they don't want to make the jump is that they think it's too good to be true. That's so funny that you say that because I'm currently uh, aggressively recruiting and looking to grow my team for next year. To reach even higher levels and i'm like am i telling these people like too much like they're like someone's like no this can't be true and then they get cold feet i'm like this is real like this is what we're doing here and it's um it's it's something that i've recently experienced over the last couple of weeks and you're the first person that's uh brought that up to me because it was kind of something in my head like anything is too good to be true and i guess i guess that, that i'm not alone so that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's just, fun. we, we have a lot of benefits, you know, so, and that, that's what I love about it. So, so you said you're recruiting now, are you just recruiting a certain type of person? I mean, do they have to be experienced and experienced or do you not really care right now? That has, it's, 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 it's evolving, Mark. Um, you know, uh, uh, they don't need to be experienced. There are advantages to not being experienced. So they could be everywhere. Anyone that, you know, is a very experienced loan officer that's looking to align with more of a broker centric, uh, you know, model or to be more competitive and be able to do better by their clients. Um, or it could be someone that's entering from a whole nother industry. I'm, I've opened that up and we have programs for each type of person. If you're a new person, we have an accelerated fast track to get you caught up to speed. Um, if you're, uh, much more experienced than it just be kind of like an orientation of like how are we different? How do we work different? What are our protocols, our processes, lender guidelines? You're dealing with more than one lender. So we are open to all different types of uh, uh, new, new employees as far as recruitment is concerned. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of just becoming relevant that you know the, the broker channel is the way to go, and and sometimes it's, it's going to be new blood, and and I think as long as we get them under people who can truly help them and teach them the business the right way, you know, it sounds right. like that's what you're about to do. So, what's some advice, or how are you training these people, like the the newer people, because that's that seems to be what we're getting that people have never had experience, you know, in the mortgage industry outside. So, how are you attacking yeah. them? You know, I think. Um, there's never been a greater opportunity uh, for new talent to enter our industry. Um, personally, I feel there's a huge demand for fresh faces and enthusiasm that want to grow and progress. Um, if you like helping others, you have a positive mental attitude, you enjoy being competitive, uh, you have basic math skills or math IQ, um, this may be the start of something really wonderful for you. Um, that's kind of my perspective on someone coming new to the industry as far as what how we handle that um depending on where they fall as far as you know they just completely new um we'll get them started and maybe doing uh very minimal uh lead contact and transfers so come in do compliance stuff you can't talk about rates then we'll get you in licensing once you reach those goals you show that you have kind of um, what it takes in terms of just having the will to call. And again, remember my, my model is a little bit different. Um, everyone's has their own style and culture. Um, but that's kind of how we are. We're very highly unit based. We want to do as many units as possible. Um, uh, then we can take those people that are a little less experienced after a very short amount of time, once they're licensed, put them in uh, a comprehensive, uh, education or training program. Uh, which we have different options, right? There's third parties. Uh, we can fly them out to, you know, UWM, for example, which offers great uh, training. They're gracious enough to be able to offer that to help us grow and help them grow as well. Um, um, so that's kind of the basic roadmap of how we would handle new employees, depending on where they fall and the experience level. Yeah, that, that the UWM success track thing, I go out there and I speak at that once a week. And I'm telling you, I wish I would have had that when I got into the industry, just some sort of training like that. I, if there was those resources, those people such as yourself and, you know, um, I, I would be much further ahead in my, in my career now, had it been available five, 10 years ago. Um, but it's here now and all we can do is try to help, you know, those that are newer and accelerating and avoiding a lot of pitfalls that um, we experience, right? So that's, um, it, but, uh, but yeah, you're 100% right. Yeah, so, okay, so now you got these people coming in from whether they're retail or brand new and they're hopping into the broker channel. We've kind of already talked about that, but now I wanna hear when you hopped back into the broker channel or when you when you got on board with C2, what were some of some of your pain points? What were some of the hurdles you had, uh, had across? So after leaving C2, um, I'd say some of the pain points, because I was all on my own, 100%, um, lead generation, marketing, um, technology, what technology to use, CRM, LOS, what do you do? Do you use one? Do you not? If so, which? Um, and probably most of all was processing and operations, just because of my personality, I'd like everything to just be 
very efficient and dialed in. Um, so there was definitely a growing pains with that. Um, but I take pride in kind of like where, where that's brought us and how we've been able to forge um, the process and the automation that we have now. But definitely, um, I'd say those were my, my, my challenges was operational aspect. And then of course, you know, uh, how to get the business, but yeah. I wouldn't really call that pain. It was just opportunity, but definitely operations was, uh, processing was, there was some pain there. So, <laughs> well, okay, we'll share you. Hey, we're here. You might, you're going to share this. What is yeah. your process? Tell me, because I, I think this is one of my most fascinating things when speaking to many of these, you know, you know, podcast guests and just whenever we're at an event is figuring out people's process. I absolutely love it. So tell me what's your process. Right. Um, so generally, um, from, you know, from application um, to submission, obviously, we have a loan officer highly engaged uh, with our clients. Um, once the client is ready for disclosures to be issued to them, the loan officer contacts them, reviews them, make sure everything is good. It's highly important that your loan officer does that, even if you have a processor that's licensed. Um, one way or another, it's either not going to stick or there's, you said this, he said that, or it's going to create confusion and end up back on the loan officer's desk anyway with more confusion than it would have been anyway. So it's, it's really important that you have a loan officer um, that listens, um, addresses the disclosures. Sometimes there's things that come up or concerns where, you know, it's kind of swept under the rug. It's going to surface, it's going to surface eventually. So just try to really peel the onion, understand that the client is happy with what's there. If there's anything on there. Sometimes there is, you know, we don't, we're not in control of disclosures. There's something on there that isn't hundred percent accurate, whether it's too high or too low, just bring that up, set a good expectation moving forward. We find that to be very uh, helpful um, in our conversion ratio of submit submission to fund. Remember we're, we're not face to face with people. Sometimes all they have is a voice. So it's important for them to, for you to really take care in that um, because we are human. And sometimes, you know, clients might think that we're just here to make a sale or whatnot. And that's, that's not exactly it. We, we have a very, you know, um, big obligation and, and duty to these people and, and our, and our clients. Um, so that's the first step, I, I guess, after the sales process um, from there, it's passed off to uh, our uh, processing team. Um, now, I do a lot of VA business. Um, if it's an Earl, you know, and it's going to a fast lender, then you know, <laughs> before you know it, you blink your eyes, it's over, right? But nowadays, there's, those are few and far between. Um, so if it's, you know, um, if it's a VA cash out, you got an appraisal, a termite inspection, we have... Um, built what I feel is best for our model, which is more of an assembly line structure. So we have someone ordering termite, managing those reports, because if you have 20, 30, 40, 50 of those coming back and shopping around and making sure these, you know, they're, they're subcontractors or they can do it. Um, so we have someone that manages termites. We have someone that manages the appraisals. Uh, we have someone that manages closings. What's nice about this uh, process that we have is that sometimes you have you know, 20 files with one processor, 40 files, 60, whatever the case may be, they have a fire pop up. Now that fire consumes their whole day and mm -hmm. all of their closings. So that fire spreads. 
what we have is everyone that's on the team is pretty much capable uh, of jumping in and helping and doing whatever they need to do. It's just we have the assembly line so things, you know, for the, for the sake of operational efficiency. Um, if something does occur that requires all hands on deck, we can mobilize everyone. One person's on hold with the payoff lender. One person is calling the title company. Boom, boom, we mobilize, we come in, we engage, and then everything goes back to normal. Everyone, you know, goes back to their positions, so to speak, and then do that. So we find that being very advantageous. Um, and also, when someone's doing one thing day in and day out, they tend to be better at it than things like that. So, you know, the, the termite, you know, our team member that handles the termites, complete expert, you know, knows what right. to look for, knows what questions to ask. Do you subcontract your work or do you do it yourself? Just because they can get the inspection done in two days doesn't mean they can't they can get the work done quickly. Now you're dealing with six week term, term time, things like that. Um, but that's kind of the operational flow. And then uh, we have someone that, you know, contacts the notaries, contacts the clients, so there's the scheduling. Um, we try to uh, complete uh, a full submission up front because that reduces underwriting touches, which lenders love. It reduces client uh, requests, which they love. Um, so that's our goal to get, you know, a great submission in. So that way they're not being bounced around too much. And if it's a file that they feel like it's going to, you know, that's going to just be what it's going to be. We let the clients know up front, um, whether they're self-employed or it's a tricky situation. From there, it goes into closing. We have the loan officer contact the client, review the final CD with them, along with a copy, and then contact a notary, say, this is my name, this is who I am, I'm the loan officer here. I call them, we talk to the notary, make sure they're good, professional sounding, and then you know we're on standby uh, during the time that they sign, depending on the occupancy type of the loan. You know, four days later, the loan funds. Thank you call, very important, and you know, we, we like to tell our customers if you feel that we deserve a referral, um, which hopefully we do, please be greatly appreciative. Or if you have any you know, po feedback, how we can be better, uh, we will happily accept that as well. So that that's that. awesome. That's great. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a not, it's not too, too much of a complicated process, but yet an efficient one. And that's all you really need. Right. Right. Okay. So, okay. So now we, we brought up the consumer here, which, you know, in my eyes always is the number one thing. But one thing that we talked about in one of our discoveries call was there's a, there's a difference between consumer experience and customer service. Absolutely. I think customer service is one piece of the puzzle. Um, it's important answering their calls or returning them in a timely manner, answering questions, things like that. That's, that's just what we have to do. Right. Um, I think consumer experience is uh, much more. It's more of the human interaction or the human experience that someone deals with or experiences when dealing with you. Um, we use tools like automation. Um, you know, having specific roles for people who can help guide the, the consumer so they know what's going on. There's less misunderstandings, things like that. We have protocols for outreach, when to contact them. We have protocols for updates. Um, we even have some things that are automated. So when we change the status in our system to approved or fund, you know, docs out or funded, the client's notified electronically. Obviously, we we do do the human outreach as well with the phone call. But the customers in the know, um, they know what's going on. Um, we find that like if people are calling quite often and asking 
where what's going on with my loan we we fit you know we didn't do our job right um how even things like how are you requesting conditions is it constant back and forth or is it a nice clean email um you know not written in underwriting terms right right like in in terms that they're going to understand and they're not going to overwhelm them right so if, you, if it's a crazy condition list call first and say hey can i send you an email real quick i need your ear for five minutes then you walk them through it because you know i know if i wasn't in the industry and i saw like a list of conditions i'm just like whoa i mean even i am in the industry sometimes these condition lists in some cases are pretty <laughs> extensive right 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 so that all goes back to Having the foresight to know what kind of file you have. If you if you know it's going to be condition extensive, tell the client up front and tell them that you're going to do your best, but this is going to be, you know, possibly paperwork heavy. Um, and if it's not, then let them know it's going to be breeze and always be a little bit less, right? <laughs> um, little less, little little less, I guess, what's the term? Uh, under promise and over delivers highly used, but truly, you know, there is truth to that. So yeah, lots of truth um, to that statement. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it though. I mean, there, there is a difference, you know, we all talk about customer service, right? And I really, in my eyes, and, and I, I think you, I'm just kind of echoing what you just said here, which is right. customer service is what we're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this is why we're brokers, but the experience is a, is a whole different ballgame. So tell me some of these processes that you have in place to ensure that you get a positive consumer experience. Um, you know, it goes back to some of the protocols we have as far as outreach, um, some of the team members we have that focus strictly on pushing for, you know, things that we are out of our control, like appraisals or termites, um, you know, and then also having training for our loan officers. Look, if the home is, you know, in a rural area or, or a remote location, it's important to tell your client up front, like, look, I'm going to have your loan done before the appraisal. I won't know when the term time is, but what I can tell you is I'll get it as quick as I can and I'll have updates for you. Um, little things like that. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's two hands that work together. One loan, loan officer um, begins to set the expectations for the client. And as long as you do your best to meet those and those are proper expectations and you know, your own style of the consumer experience or how you want to brand or, or, or deal with that, um, that file or that customer throughout your flow is really what's going to lead to the consumer experience. And what's nice about consumer experience is you can put your own spin on it, right? Everyone has their own style. I've seen people make really cool animated videos that go out and then some that just, you know, follow up with a phone call. It's okay. Um, put your own spin on things, you know, you can take a little bit from others. Um, but just know, you know, what's going to work for you and for your customers. And just uh, we find that it, it does lead to happy employees as well as happy customers. Yeah. Um, obviously, customer first, but when you have happy customers, by default, you guys end up being um, having more fun doing it because there's no reason not to right? we're very blessed to be in an industry that um, allows us to do what we do and uh, be compensated, you know, pretty well for it if you're good at it. So, absolutely, absolutely, and, and I like what you said because I want you to touch base on that a little more. And I know we kind of already have, but this is super important: is setting the proper expectations. Hundred percent. You need to dive into that a little bit more for me because I, I want everyone who's listening to this <laughs> to understand 
that it's all, you know, listen, we always want to get them done fast. You know what I mean? But there's just times where you can't. So set the proper expectations. Absolutely. Do your due diligence up front as a loan originator. Do your due diligence up front. Um, it will lead to a higher ratio of positive experiences. So do you foresee a lot of conditions? If so, tell the client up front. Not going to scare them away. Maybe you can tell it after the app, tell them after the application, after you have the rapport. Don't just, you know, try to underwrite everything right up front, right? Um, tell them that. Again, going back to the appraisal issue because it's getting better, but, you know, that can be um, a pain point for sure for the customers and for you and your whole company. You know, you feel like, wait, am I even doing loans or am I doing appraisals? Um, especially if it's in a location that you have experience in or don't have experience in. Um, tell the customer, um, set them up, get a full submission up front. Don't try to slack and just get in the minimum because A, you're not gonna have as much transparency into that file and B, you're gonna be playing a lot of bouncing back and forth um, and you think you just wanna get the loan over to the lender as quick as possible. But when you look at the finish line, you finished way, way further, you know, back than you would have had you just done the work up front. Um, really look into that file. Um, read your AUS findings, <laughs> which I think lenders make pretty easy for you nowadays. Back in the day, it was like, what am I looking at, right? Right, right. Um, but now they have, you know, easy findings and things like that, where it's like, just look at it, read it, pay attention. Um, brush up on your guidelines once in a while. Um, you don't have to be like an underwriter or a pro, but the resources are there. If you don't know something, go seek the knowledge or ask. Um, all of these things lead to um, what I what I think is just a good experience for the customer and setting the right expectation. Poke holes in the loan. If it holds water, then you know you're not going to have any problems. If it doesn't, you know, go talk to your manager, your colleagues, or the client, depending on who could offer the solution, and make sure it's there. And at the end of the day, if there's a little bit of uncertainty, or you've got four non-married, you know, like four or five people on the loan, none of them are married, you all these different applications, all these different VOEs, and just tell them, like, look, I think I believe I can get you, you know, or I can get your loan done, depending on how well you've underwritten it up front, and just say, look, there's gonna be a lot of back and forth here, but we'll get your loan done in X amount of time, just a little bit more intensive, a little bit more engagement that we're going to require. Um, and don't be afraid to tell your customers, look, I won't bug you. Um, we tell our customers, look, we're not going to call you every other day because we, we collected everything up front. But what we can tell you is when we do call you, um, just get us everything as soon as you can, because that allows us to run back with the ball, pass the ball back out to us, we can get back on the court and, and finish the game, so to speak. So. Um, all of those things are really important and it has to do with building that into your like philosophy of putting the customer first, right? All you have to do is put yourself in their position and say, how would I want this process to go if I knew nothing about mortgages, right? Um, and that's kind of how we've built our process and our scripts and you know our our submission requirements things like that like can't trail things you know um, i know sometimes you have a retired client you know 
not good with email, it's okay. Send the shipping label, have him send his social security awards letter because you ask him later and then it's just back and forth, back and forth, little things like that. We try to try to eliminate that as much as possible. And we find that in most cases uh, we have very happy clients. So. Yep. And then especially, you know, when you're setting the right expectations, you're creating a great consumer experience. You're going to win in the market that we're basically in right now, which is somewhat flat rate, but we'll say even a little bit more of a rising market, right? right. So right. what are you doing to ensure that your business continues like this? Is, is it just a consumer experience or what, how do you tailor things? Touch base on that. Right. Yeah. So that's a great question. You know, um, I guess the consumer experience besides like, how would it help you in a rising rate or flat and round rate? It might, it might get you more referrals, right? So it's more difficult to acquire the customers nowadays. But before the consumer experience, I think, is how you're going to be able to have more opportunities to even have consumers to, to help. Um, and I think a lot of that has to go with diving deep into that customer. Um, find out their why. Like saving $300 a month is great. And a lot of people don't want to ask, like, well, what would that do for you? And if you don't know, then you're not asked, you're not doing right by the customer. Not only will you have more opportunities to help people and more business, but you're really doing right by the customer by asking more questions. If, if these, if everyone knew how to achieve their financial goals with their mortgage, or maybe with other goals that they have that their mortgage can help them, then that would, you know, that would, I think we wouldn't be as great of a value or an asset to them. Right, right. So being a consultant, asking the right questions um, really allows you to make sure you're able to offer benefit because that's what we do. We, we, we simply provide a benefit. And if the rate's going up, whether it's going up or down, it's not always just a rate reduction or cash out. If you're asking people, do you want cash? you're missing 70% of the opportunities to help people. It's if someone knew they wanted cash, then you're already dealing with someone that's made a decision about something. Now they're just shopping around. Well, what is your goal? Are you looking to free up cash flow? Do you want to set aside a college fund? Is that $300 going to get you there? Um, do you want to pay your home off in 15 years, but can't afford a 15 year fixed currently? You know, that you could do things like paying off debts and redirecting, uh, cash outlay towards the mortgage and accelerating the payoff um things like that not not just oh do you want to save money and a lot of times people feel uncomfortable saying well what is that money going to do for you or what are you going to do with it because you feel like the customer might say well it's just, you know you're just going to save it but that that opens up an opportunity for you to have a closer relationship with your customer and ultimately be able to help them reach their goals because everybody has a why you just need to know what it is and if you can't help them today, that's okay. At least you know. So when and if you can, you'll be the first one to reach out to them. See, that's perfect. I'm so glad you said that because people that, you know, just strictly sell rates are never going to last in this business and they're no. not a true value asset. It's no. You're right. It's the why. Why are we doing this? Well, have you thought about this? These are the options that you have. Know your options. I mean, you're hitting all the nails on the head. I absolutely love that part of it. All right, Armand. So we have a little bit of time left. I know you're super busy. Um, and I love asking this question because once again, the floor is yours. You're talking to hopefully thousands of people that are listening to this podcast and yeah. you want to give a piece of advice to the, to the broker channel. What is it? 
Uh, it's okay not to have it all figured out. Um, don't chase the money. Just find as many people as you can help. Um, do right by the client. Uh, stay true to yourself. Uh, work hard. Stay positive. Don't give up. Um, and everything will come together, right? Obviously, we're here to earn a living. But if you focus on that, then you're not really focusing on what could create the outcomes that you want. Um, uh, something I have for a little bit, I guess it could be for everyone, new people or, or more experienced. You know, a bad day is just that. Um, move forward. Um, don't make that day your story and then carry it on. Or even a bad call sometimes will, I know in, in a lot of my, my employees, about in the beginning when they first start, you know, a bad call can transfer. And it happens even to us, you know, you have a bad call, you know, someone wasn't nice or well, whatever the case may be. You don't, don't carry that forward. Um, reset. Um, re-engage and move forward. It, is, it really is about the journey um, more than it is the destination and enjoy what you do. And um, in some cases, if you're a little bit newer, find the right mentor or work with the right team. So um, I guess uh, that's kind of what I would have to tell them. <laughs> no, I love it though. Don't harbor things in. I, I, have a, uh, I have a newer person with me. They had their, their best week. They close well. They were supposed to close five deals. Well, and they only ended up closing four. And now okay. we're we're figuring out the fifth one. It's okay, right. but they were just disturbed by it. And I'm like, what about the other four families that you just helped? You know what I mean? Like, don't harbor it. We will figure this out. I promise you. It's one of these one offs. So it's it's so true though. We so focus yeah. on the bad. Hundred percent. It's almost human nature, right? You 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 remember the thing that hurt you or bothered you, then you did all the good things. And I think exercising gratitude every day for me, um, you know, I have my own rituals in the morning and um, exercise and stress management. Um, you know, I, depending on where you work, how hard you work, what you do, I think kind of like this, I, I have seen quite a bit of burnout in our industry. Um, and it's, you know, adopting positive, healthy habits to help manage stress is key because health is really what's most important. Um, and it trickles down, you know, you have, obviously you can't exercise or be with your family 10 hours a day. You're probably going to be working, but that extra one hour, it's like a, it trickles down, have the fulfillment in your life, even though you're not spending all your time with your family or you're, you're working on like your your, your mind, body, and soul, as they, as, as they say, um, that little bit of time uh, pays dividends um, into everything else. That's been my experience, um, both personally and, you know, kind of what I've seen around me as far as, you know, going full throttle so long, um, really got to take care of yourself and um, it, it resonates to every other part of your life. Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, Armand, hey, listen, but I just want to thank you uh, for joining us today. I know, just like I said, I know you're a, a busy person, uh, but I appreciate you like sharing everything because that's Absolutely. what this community is about, is about sharing. So thank you so much. Mark, my pleasure. Um, have a great day. Thanks so much for having me and good luck to everyone out there. I wish nothing but the best. That's awesome. So 
Brokers, if you want to get caught up on all of our past podcast episodes, please head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker. You can also listen to all the broker to broker podcast episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere else where you can download podcasts. Do me a favor, subscribe to it, rate it, leave a review. It helps us get the podcast out there and spreads the word that brokers are better. So once again, you're one of those guys, Ramon, and thanks for, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks again. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Join our Brokers Are Better Facebook group. Be a part of the Brokers Are Better movement by joining the exclusive group for A members and independent mortgage brokers to share best practices, network, and help our community grow. Head over to Facebook and search for Brokers Are Better, select the group, and click to join.